Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Little by little, people are starting to come back. It's great this morning. We had a great crowd, I believe, for our 930 service and um, just a great spirit in that in that moment, and there's a message that we've got for you today. We have an assignment, we have a purpose, and this is the last part of this series called Why You're Essential. We've been through a crazy season. Just like that, we've transitioned from, from, and we're still in the COVID-19 and still dealing with it, but now we're dealing with racism and protests and outbreaks all around the nation, and what a peculiar time it is for us to be in. How many of you have been praying, God, touch our land? How many of you have been making that your prayer? Pray all you can because your prayers make a difference. And, you know, God has called you for such a time as this. He's called all of us for such a time as this. What you can't do physically, God can do spiritually. Don't ever limit that. But we're going to get into the Word of God. Are you ready for that? Once again, welcome to all of our guests, all of our family. It's good to be in God's house. Somebody smile real big if you believe it's so good to be here. I I think it is. I think it is. You're blessed because you have freedom. Freedom is what really matters in life, the freedom to do what God's called you to do. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 and 39, 34 says this. And then when Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, and be rejected by the elders, by the leading priest, and by the teachers of the law. He said, I'm going to be rejected. He said, these are the things that are going to happen to me. He would be killed. But three days later, he would rise again from the dead. And as he talked about this openly with the disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. That means he began to kind of rebuke or to correct or tell him he was wrong. But when Peter did this and thought he was doing good, Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. In other words, he gave him a tongue lashing. Corrected him. And listen to what he said. And from our point of view, when you read this, it seems like Peter was doing something good, like he cared about the well-being of Jesus. But then Jesus looks at him and says, Get away from me, Satan. Wow, that's extreme. He said, You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And we're all guilty of that. We have all been guilty of looking at something from our human perspective, analyzing the situation. But what he's telling Peter here is that God has a point of view himself. He said, you're merely looking at this from a human point of view, not from God. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. What's really 
shocking about this is that that Peter thought he was doing good, but then he, the Lord turns right back around and, and lets him know he was wrong. And when he said, get behind me, Satan, we all know that Peter wasn't the devil. What he was actually referring to was the spirit that was behind him, that was influencing him. It was Satan. He was influencing Peter because Peter got worried. He was afraid. He was concerned. He was, and, and the Lord just turned right back around and said, get away from me. Now at that moment, Peter was identified with somebody whom he wasn't. It's very easy, it's very easy to fall into the entrapment of influence when we're in our feels, in our feelings. Right now, there's a lot of people that are in their feelings right now. Right now, all over the nation, people are filled with hatred, animosity, and and here we are, we could even try to be good in our approach, but God has a better way. Today, today we're going to be talking about your freedom is found in your DNA. How we're identified, how, we're, how we are made up of chemist, our chemistry, our physiological makeup, the way God formed us and made us, we are uniquely and all different. But God just leveled the playing field whenever he sent his only begotten son into the world. And now we can be falsely accused. But we've got something better now in our life. We've got another makeup that's make and calls us innocent, guilt-free. How many of you feel free in your spirit today? How many of you are thankful that you're not where you used to be? You're not who you used to be? You're not, you're in God's house on Sunday morning? Normally, I'd, you know, normally we, we would be hung over from the night before or you'd have some other thing going on today, but you're in God's house, and I think that's a miracle. But it's all because of your genetic makeup that God has given you. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, you've blessed the service today. Come on, I receive it. Pray for me. Pray that God would just anoint you. Pray that the Lord would just release the word. Just, just pray his presence come and confirm his word today. Father, I receive it. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We, we believe, we receive. Do your work today. For those that are watching online, Lord, bless every single one of them. Bless everyone watching today, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen, amen, amen. Amen. Give the Lord one hand clap just to know. Show him you're alive. Show him that you appreciate what he's done for you. Before you're seated, turn around to somebody and tell them, wake up, you're saved, you're in a good house, you're in a good place. Time to worship, trying to give your attention to God. God bless you. Please be seated. It just, it just messes with my mind how somebody can literally have good intentions and then all of a sudden be associated with the worst, the worst person, if you will, in the entire world, the Satan himself, when his intention was to do good. And, and I think that's really like religion. Religion causes us to have our own ideas and our own plans and our own scheme to do what I think we would think would be pleasing to God. 
I mean, there's just something about us that I believe every person wants to do good. Every person wants to make the right decision and try to do it in their own way. You know, and then you go into the scriptures, you look at it a little bit closer, and then the scripture says that our righteousness, or our own efforts, is like filthy rags, right? I mean, we try to do the best we can, but then you read a little bit closer in the scripture, then we find out that it really takes Jesus. It really takes him to validate us and to prove our blessed life, all of our efforts, we all fall short. We all make mistakes. We all have our weaknesses. But in our frailty, God looked down and God made a way for us to escape that, that stigma. That, that feeling of not being worthy. And it wasn't, and we realized it wasn't based on my just good works or being a good person. It was really based on one person. And God gave me the ability or the, the privilege to take on his identity. The Twelve disciples were with Jesus for three years. They heard him preach. They saw the miracles, signs, and the wonders, and they, they took note. And they knew he was the son of God. He even asked Peter at one point and said, Peter, who do people say that I am? And he said, you know, people say that you're John the Baptist. Come back. And some people say you're Elijah, but... Jesus said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and then Jesus said to him, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my who? Heavenly Father has. So there's another portion of Scripture that tells us at one point, Peter has this experience and this revelation of who Jesus was. So he wasn't completely wrong. I think he was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. But the second time Peter opens up his mouth, he gets rebuked. And he gets labeled. It's a horrible thing to be labeled guilty and feel shame for something you did not do or, meant, or, or really meant to do. Right now, technology has been on the rise for, for, for years and decades. We're seeing things happen now where... You can spit into a little cup, a little strip, ship it off to someone, and they can give you your DNA test and tell you what part of the world you're from. I had that, uh, that was a gift that my family gave me, I think it was last year, the year before, um, on this DNA testing. And um, I got mine back, and mine said that my family was at the Alamo cooking and making chicharrones, but <laughs> I don't know what all that's about. <laughs> they were saying, raspa. <laughs> Sound like my family. It was pretty accurate. I mean, it really was. My uncle had done a DNA test. I mean, he actually did some history with our family, and years of work that my uncle had done had correlated with the testing that they took from me. Right now, even there's an organization called the Innocence Project out of New York City. The Innocent Project works with low-income families and people who can't afford to get DNA testing. About 3,000 letters are submitted every single year to this organization, and what they do, they, they, they literally go in 
and do DNA testing for those individuals who had, been, who had committed a crime or accused of committing a crime. And some of them have said, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. But there's been no proof. But ever since the technology has come out, there's about anywhere from six to 8,000 reviews every year that are done of people that are incarcerated. In incarceration, they, they wait. And when the tests come back, according to the stats of the Innocence Project, 40% of those tests prove that they were innocent. From the past, of something they were accused of doing. And a small percentage of that had led, gone even further and they were able to get the DNA of the actual person who committed the crime. But on the flip side of that percentage, some of those percentages came back and actually validated that they were the person who committed the crime. Either way, the DNA, the power of DNA proved whether you were innocent, guilty, and if you were innocent, they found the person who committed the crime. I love it in the scripture where Jesus said that when, when the devil is caught, he has to pay back seven times more than what he stole before. I like the story that we have concerning Christ, that we are now new creatures created in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love to hear the stories about people like the Apostle Paul walking and marching onto the road to Damascus, and that bright light shines in his face, and, and he faces someone who had never seen before or heard of before, and he has an encounter with Jesus, and, and Jesus completely changes his life, and then he moves on, and he changes his identity, and now he's no longer the persecutor of the church. He becomes the preacher of the church, and now he's carrying on a new testimony, and every crime that he had committed in the past is now washed away. There are so many people in this world, even though we live in a free country, are still walking around in prisons. There's so many people in this world that are still here that need to know about the power of the blood and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. There are so many individuals, and I think the prison mentality is, is that uh, I can't, I'm not that good, I'm of no value uh, how can God forgive me? Or is there even a God with all these bad things happening? And, you know, there's so many speculations out there because of the bad that goes on in the world. But can I tell you that it's not God's fault and it's not God's doing? A lot of what we do, we make up on our own self-righteousness and we make the mistakes ourselves. We're the ones who do these things. We're the ones who cause the problems. Because when you read the Bible, it says that God is love. God is love. How many times have we been associated with somebody else's makeup or a, or a spirit that influences our life? Because we go by feelings. And, and again, people are just so driven by feelings and 
And you got to be careful because when you're driven by feelings, then you become open and receptive to anything that's around you that isn't from God. And then we start entertaining those things. And then we start believing a lie and start thinking that, you know, there's a cause that's greater th th than your own, your own identity with Christ. But there is no greater cause. Because we have been called to be made and born again into the image of Christ. And you were called to live after the same manner as Jesus did. To be a light unto the world. To help people. To heal people. To love people. We have that calling. The calling in the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. See, Peter knew about this. And he tried warning the church. Through experience, he talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. It says this. Peter writes the church and he says, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He, he will prowl around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour. Peter knew a little bit of, some, little bit of something about that, right? He knew something about that. Devour. That word devour comes from the Greek word that literally means to swallow up or to consume. To swallow up or consume. So he goes around trying to swallow somebody. How can the devil swallow us up? I don't believe he was speaking of a spiritual, of a physical devouring. I believe he was referring to a spiritual encounter, an entrapment, a ploy. He said, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. The only way I believe that the devil can devour you is when you lose your faith. When you feel that God isn't there and we all have been susceptible to a dry place in our life or a time of trouble or, or maybe just pondering and been depressed and wondering where is God in this moment in my life and we go through things or we experience things or we feel like God isn't in the world because of all the things that are taking place. In that very moment, we become susceptible and that's where we're influenced by something else other than God. And if we're not careful, we can give into that feeling and start doing things contrary to the God's word and then you start acting like a prisoner. Acting like you're bound. Because I don't know about you, but when I see someone that's free and has been set free and is no longer incarcerated and bound by certain entrapments in their life, free people give love. Free people cause peace. Free people begin to share and help and reach out and do something to build up and to edify and to encourage one another. That's what you and I were called to do. We are called to encourage one another, build each other up, tell the world there's a better way. There's a better way of life. There's an answer, and his name is Jesus, right? His name is Jesus. The only way you can be devoured by the enemy is by giving him your faith. The Lord knew this. The Lord knew this. And he said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, he said to him, Lord, said, Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But the rest of the scripture says that, but I prayed that your faith fail not. That is the only way we can be consumed by the accuser 
He said he wanted to sift Peter like wheat. What do we do when we harvest the wheat? And then it's processed and we, what? Eat it. I don't want to go too deep. See, God has a harvest as well. And to the enemy, he's seeking who we may devour to take your faith, ingest it within his system. But now, thank God, we've been born again, and we're born into a body. We've been consumed by the love of God. Paul said, now I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I am changed. Now, Paul said in Ephesians, that we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fit together, framed together, is built up into a holy habitation of God through the Spirit. So in other words, you're part of another family now. Now you have a new identity. Now you're part of a different household. And when somebody comes and tries to accuse you of something, all you've got to do is say, I'm under the blood. I've been ha- I have the name of Jesus. I have been forgiven. I've been set free. Somebody say, I'm free. Come on, say, I'm free. Give God a hand clap. Come on, I'm free. You are free. You are free. We're not like everybody else, and that doesn't try. Uh, There's no spiritual pride in that. It's just the facts. It's just the facts. If you really believe that Jesus Christ became your Lord and Savior, if you really believe he's forgiven you, if you really believe that he's real, there should be a confidence and a peace and a a righteousness from heaven that will come out of your very being. And everywhere you go, you're an example. You're a light. You're the salt of the earth. You're an encourager. You're a world changer. You're somebody that hell is afraid of because hell has nothing in you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. Nothing. Can't mess with me. Can't play with my mind. Can't, nothing. Nothing in me. I'm going to give you one point today, and here's the only point. We're either consumed by evil or we're consumed by good. But who you surrender your faith to will be the dominant in your life. But not if you have the DNA of Jesus. It's a nucleic acid, right? It's this acid that, it's this little little chemical makeup that that people, that scientists discovered. The little things that help relate to who we are, find out where we came from. What's so funny about this DNA testing, I've never heard of anybody getting one back and saying that they were from monkeys. That's just, I mean, if you get one back and you get a picture of a monkey, you're in trouble. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So that just got thrown out the window. You are from God. God gave you birth. God gave you right to live. God gave you breath. God gave you purpose. God 
God is your creator, your maker, your heavenly father. It's not just coming to church, folks. Don't worry about falling or making mistakes because as long as you're a son of child, a child of God or a son of God, he's going to be a good father in your life and your father loves you. Every time you fall, he's going to pick you back up. Every time you make a mistake, he's going to say, it's okay, get back up, keep on going. Everybody makes mistakes, folks. But you're not like everybody else. I am talking to believers right now, people who trust in Jesus Christ, and I am emphatic about it. I believe that outside the will of God, there is no success, but in the will of God, there is no failure. There is no failure. There's no such thing. I like what John Maxwell wrote. He wrote a book called, You Win Some, You Learn Some, Not Lose Some. In the Christian walk, we don't lose, we learn, and we grow. And we're steadfast. The only reason we can do that is because greater is he that's in us than him that's in the world, than anything that's there. You're different. You're different. Once you start on the path, there's people getting baptized today. Raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you, but raise your hand. You're getting baptized. Give them a round of applause. Let me encourage you all today and tell you, you're making the right choice. When you're going in the water baptisms, you're not only taking on the name of Christ because you're being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You're taking on his name. From, from this point on, your last name has Jesus attached to it. Just like you become born in this world. The baby doesn't get the name of the father or the mother until the baby comes out of the womb. Well, you break the water. The water breaks and you're coming out into a new body. You're baptized into a body of believers. And then there's a breath that comes to the child. That's the spirit of God. But the DNA and the blood that's in your life now solidifies your DNA and who you belong to. And I want you all to know that when these things take place, I want you to look around because there's a lot of people missing. But this is just a portion of the people in your family. This is just a little bit of believers all around the world. You are not by yourself. And there isn't one person who hasn't made the mistake or hasn't fell or fallen after the, because you will fall. It is just a given. We all fall. It's not if you fall, it's when, but it's also when you get up. And you will get up every single time. And then you'll find yourself growing and maturing and not falling for those things anymore because it's a process. It is a process. But the one thing you have to have in your mind is this, that I am now part of a royal family. I have God on my side. Uh, he is my father. He is my brother. He is my family. I am part of the family. Listen, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. It's once it's done, I told my kids, you better watch out. Whoever you marry, you're marrying the family. Thank God it's been good so far. Check one check. It's a fact. My poor wife. My wife had a rude awakening to the Latino pride with my family. Oh, my word. 
but that's another series. <laughs> that is a series. No matter how many times we've been accused, no matter how many times we fail, no matter, no matter how many troubles and trials we face, as long as you keep the faith, as long as you hold on to your faith, as long as you know that God is alive and God loves you, you're not here by coincidence and by accident. God has a time for everyone. And sometimes that journey seems a little confusing. It almost seems like Jesus, when he was first in Bethlehem, and then he had to leave for his life and went to Egypt, and then he had to go and detour to Nazareth, and then he stayed for 12 years, and then they had to go back to Bethlehem after Herod was dead. You know, it, it just seems confusing at times. But you know what? There's a reason for the season, and there's a reason for the journey, and there's, there's some character building that needs to take place. And it's all about a relationship with God because the more you go through, the stronger you become. The more you experience in life, the more wisdom you gain from life, and not just from life, but from God. So, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're going, the purpose of God is to conform to his son in the image of Christ and to become more like him. You'll get love. You'll start loving more as time passes by. Why? Because it's in your DNA. You, will, you can't help it. It's there. It's who you are. It's who you are. You just can't help it. Like in my family, I, you know, if you know, let me say a little bit about my family. Any, if anybody knows my family, they know that we like to sell stuff. We like to flip stuff. We like to start five businesses, not one, just there and everything we come into contact with, we look at it as a business to make money or do something. That's part of my Jewish DNA. It's a small little bit, but it's enough to make them uh, cause some trouble. <laughs> Sometimes I can't help it. Just who I am. My family has to tell me, oh, come on, Dad. Really? You're going to do that? It's so embarrassing. Can't take you anywhere. <laughs> right? Because I'll stop in the middle of the road and pick up something and go, hey, man, we can make money out of that thing. Put it in the back of the truck. Let's go. Can't help it, just in my blood. Can't help it, can't stop thinking about stuff like that sometimes. It's constantly going and going, and God has to help me. But you see, when you have the Spirit of Christ in your life, you can't help but want to help somebody. You can't help but want to pray for somebody. You can't help but want to go to church. I'm telling you, when you come to church, it is the Spirit of God inside of you that desires to be here, that's driving you in your life, that's, that's helping you live the life, that's helping you make the right decisions. i tell you what the world needs right now. What the world needs is a lot more Jesus and a lot less feelings. I better move on. John 8, 36 says, Therefore, the Son makes you free. You are free indeed, period. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. I love, I'm going to hit on it. I'm about to close, but I, I just got to say it. I, I want, I, I've watched the uh, social media. I've been watching the news. Everyone has their opinions. Uh, everyone has their, their points of view. Um, but I have loved watching the churches show up at these 
protest and bring their instrument players with them and bring their microphones and watch preachers preach and people sing. And what ended up, what could have been a riotous moment ended up being a righteous moment for God and people end up worshiping and peace is established. That's what the church is called to do. The church is called to bring peace, love, understanding. I love it. But I saw another video, and I put it on Facebook because it was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I saw a young man, pretty tall guy, about probably six feet tall. He was at one of these rallies, and he was in the front line, and he picked up a stone and a a rock, and he threw it and hurled it to the police officers. When he was in motion... His mama came out and saw him. Don't throw rocks at me right now. I'm just telling you what I saw. Somebody else, well, filmed it, not me, but I'm just enjoying it. The mama went to the boy, grabbed him, hit him in the head. What are you doing, boy? I raised you better than that. He saw his mom in front of all his friends. He was all dressed up in black. He thought he was cool. But then his mama was chasing him, so he started running away. And mama was just right there behind him. Finally, he stopped, and his head was hung down, and mama was preaching to him, and it was done. Let me tell you something. Forget about the mace. Forget about the dogs. Forget about those officers going out there. Just release the mamas out there for everybody. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. That's all we need is the mamas to step out, grab their children, and say, Hey, I raised you better than that boy. You weren't raised that way. That's not from me. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel good. Had to get that out. Just had to get it out now. What would Jesus do if he was here? You see, the reason why you and I are essential is because we are the very representation of an invisible God who gave his life for the world. And that that same spirit is in you that was in Christ. Then we laid down our life for our fellow neighbor. And no greater love has any man than this. So that means that you and I go through the process of reconciliation. reconciling the world back to God. In other words, being a light, bridging the gap, and making things happen. My pastors, my pastors, one of my pastors lives in Houston, and he was during, there during the protest, and they took the church there, and, and they were giving, uh, uh, they, they were talking about unity and bringing peace, and, and everyone has their own circumstances. I heard there's one in Victoria, you know, and, and, and you know, to, to, as long as you're making a positive impact and you're building up, you know, I, I, have, I have no axe to grind. I have no stone to throw, but I'm going to tell every single person that take Jesus with you when you go. Love people. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Represent. Do things well. Do things with excellence, and God will bless that. God will bless that. The last time we had an issue like this, it's been a while, but, but there was a, a million-man march one time led by a preacher by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 
And because of that, he took a biblical stance, and he took it in a peaceful way. And with one million people marching with that same characteristic that God gave them, the DNA of Christ, they were able to change a nation through that act because God blesses his principles. You and I are essential to this world because we have the peace of God. Let me close by making this statement. Let me close by this. 1 John John 2 and 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who is truly righteous. The one who is truly righteous. Advocate means that he takes the place of what would be an attorney and pleads our cause. But on the other side, there's the accuser. And then there's the judge. But while we're guilty, guilty. See, that's where you become free when you tell God, I'm guilty. That's what made David such a great king. He went to God and said, it's me. I did it. I'm not going to hide the fact that I, com- I committed a sin. I'm not going to hide it. It was me, Lord. And then God said, you know what? You have to pay for the consequences, but I forgive you. You have to pay for the consequences, but that's okay. I forgive you. And David became a great king, almost marred by the end of his life, but successful in leaving a legacy. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is, what did we leave behind? Who we were, who, what we did, who we loved. Peace always follows freedom. Peace always follows freedom. I know what free people look like. Free free people, they're not angry. Free people don't throw rocks. Free people look to help other people become free. Free people love each other. They don't envy each other. Free people don't parade themselves. Free people aren't puffed up. Free people, they're not rude. Free people don't provoke one another. Free people set other people free. The scripture says, vengeance belongs to me, saith the Lord. I will repay. Let God handle all those things that we can't handle. And you just be the light of the world. From your life, let there be positive. I don't, I, I don't troll on Facebook, and I don't, I don't troll, but I do watch a good video every once in a while. But I'm going to encourage and challenge all of you at Riverside Church and tell you when you share something on Facebook, let it be edifying, let it build up, and let it not be, you know, it's so easy to get into your feelings right now. And you hear different outlets and you don't know who's telling the truth or whatever. Let me tell you something. That's why you need to listen and stay in the book. And keep the main thing the main thing. Be an encourager. Be an edifier. Be an overcomer. Be like Jesus. Because you have his DNA. And you're set free. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.